morning, Mr. Brewer. Good morning, Mr. Shackman. How are we today? Um, I- I'm fine. You know. Anyway, there, there, there's your toast. There. Well, it uh, looks normal. Very toast-like. That's because it is toast. Um, I had a. I had to kind of sort it out this week myself. Well, uh, well, I, I didn't have the creativity of Jeremy. Let's put it that way. You've uh, you've killed Jeremy, didn't you? Or <laughs> or did Bert do it? No, 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 okay, okay, so, uh, I'm going to take you through this. Um, so, Monday, Jeremy decided, uh, given the uh, snow and all that, that we had, that he was going to create a winter special theme creation for you. We went over quite a bit. Uh, he spent all Monday thinking it up so much that he then missed the deadline, i.e. the snow had melted. Um, so, we then find Tuesday, he moped about the entire day. Goddamn depressive. Got over it. Wednesday pulls his socks up, and he decided he was then going to create a snow machine for you. He was quite adamant about that. He then proceeds to write the entire report for it. Did I ask for a report, by the way? No, I did not. But he decides to write the entire report and ran out of time. Um, this, of course, gave me flashbacks to their third-year design reports, and so I killed him. So you did kill him. Oh, yeah. All right, I guess this is the uh, Jeremy in Memoriam special then, shall we? <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so uh, those of you who listened to the previous episode may have realized I just forgot my learning for last week. Um, so I, I, we, we've both learned something this week. Not that one. Um, video time once more. And we're watching Jetpack Racing. A pile of jetpacks, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, it's, if it, I think it's something happened at the, the uh, recent one of the recent Formula One races. Um, but the, these jetpacks are certainly increasing in popularity. I'm seeing them all over the place from military use to mountain rescue to showing them off. I, I'm not sure if it is one of... You know, what, what gets me here is... Is this one of those sort of technologies where it becomes very popular, everyone's showing it about, and then it just kind of dies, and you don't really ever see them again? Well, if they're very grainy videos of it, but the the U.S. Olympics in the mid '80s or whatever, they they had a jet. That was the first like for public yes, yeah, okay, show, so and yeah. it was a proper spacesuit one. It was yeah. really cool. And there've been guys who've tried to fly across the channel and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, what's the? I mean, think about if criminals really wanted to use them. What the hell would you do to stop them? Um, yeah. If, if police were equipped with them, how much better could they be? Doctors, etc. So you can certainly see. Well, how do you regulate the airspace, yes. and obstacles, and like I've got a million questions there, and the downwash and scaring kitty cats and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then there's the thing of the part of me is like, right, you know those those old black and white videos you see where the <laughs> racing drivers were on the one side of the yeah, track yeah. and that to run to the car and then get in and then yeah, oh, yes, yeah, I yeah. can I can see a new sport coming along here. Let those F one jocks with their <laughs> fancy paychecks do a lap of the track with a jetpack okay. and then get into your car and then go. Yeah. As as as, as you know, so I, I would see certainly make it more of a kind of fun type sport because um, yeah, where, where where will that tech go? And also, you know, with the you know everything's got to be electric. Get rid of fuel cars by twenty thirty, etc. There's a very anything like that that's electric powered is going to have like bugger all endurance and range no, just well, because of the energy mean, density. Thrust wise, electric thrust propulsion. 
I you'd mean, have to use fans, and yeah. fans are pretty big. You're effectively strapping a helicopter to your back. One of those uh, vaguely remember, like almost gyrocopter styles. That's right. In fact, like if you take the the, the 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 well, the most successful of the propeller-driven ones, which is that New Zealand design. I mean, that oh, had yes, like yeah. a 100 kilowatt engine for two fans to lift a and person, yeah. and that was for hovering. Yeah. Um, so, so to do any form of that, now yes, you can certainly get. It's you know, if you lighten the weight, you probably don't need 100 kilowatt you can get away with like a 60 kilowatt electric motor but yeah uh, well 60 kilowatts and that's like full load etc um and that's because humans are heavy for what we are compared to any form of animal uh, you know what, what to me is it's interesting if you look at the, the design in its current form you can very quickly say it is a a it, it does the performance it needs to can it lift a person can it move them at speed can it be maneuvered stuff and in, not necessarily from a third-year design report or a third-year design, but like from a fourth-year design, that would be ticked off you've done the design. Yeah. Where I think is the interesting point that now, it's a highlight to what's happening, is now where do you use it? Because now they've been used everywhere. It's almost, what, what was it intended for initially? You know, if you look at, uh, again, there's more volcanic activity in Iceland, and of course the whole country's rocking out to go and cook salmon on lava that's rolling <laughs> over stuff and breathing in toxic fumes, etc. And you think, well, the world of drones has opened up uh, exploring dangerous places like glaciers mm -hmm. and uh, volcanic stuff. You're getting incredible footage. You can take um, scientific sensors and you can fly them and collect samples and crap like that. Well... Scientists who see that will be like, you know, I've always wanted to go and sample <laughs> volcanic stuff. So now can we fly a scientist with kit to go and yeah. in, into a dangerous place or, you know, either volcanic type stuff or walk over a glacier surface or something. And then if you do go down, this thing prevents you from, from doing that. That's not going to work because now you've yeah. got a hike with a mega yeah. heavy thing that you might need as an ejector type thing. There are way easier systems like a rocket sabo to pull you out or something like that. But I can see fourth-year students saying, you need to get a scientist out yeah. of a cave in a hurry. <laughs> so this is how a, a, a scientist <laughs> is going to explore a cave. And then I'm just going to be like, well, if you use Newton 3, like the actual jet wash thing, you're yeah. going to make the clouds so dusty, you're going to blow flipping bats everywhere. Bullshit. It's not going to work in a cave. And, and, he, and not only that, but I mean, let's look at the maneuverability. At least when they're going around a corner, the one guy just keeps going straight because he can't slow down enough to make that first turn. Yes, <laughs> a, a top fuel dragster has a better turning circle than these things. Um, yeah. But, but I, I can certainly see that if you had like rapid response, life-saving stuff or whatever. But then there's the thing of, do you still, in this day and age, do you still need a human on board? And oh, the answer yeah. is... That's the thing that's almost impossible to justify, unless it is like an actual like medical emergency or yeah. something which requires human hands, human decision making, and that's really you know a president needs to be jetpacked from here to there to sign a piece of paper. I can see a student justifying it in this day and age because you need the Mont Blanc on a piece of paper for you know a piece or whatever the case is. But at the same time, do you need the president to be himself directing and controlling this thing or? put them in a pod that's got some nice jet like a, a very nice comfortable compact air force three yeah <laughs> air force three pod that gets launched at hypersonic speeds lands in under two minutes in london and signs and so i, I mean I, I i would i don't know about the the 
falling down on hard asphalt and crap like that because <laughs> I, I definitely try and go as fast as possible i really like the ones that are kind of over water just because water yeah. is uh well even at speed it's uh, softer than concrete i actually i think i saw the other day i don't have unfortunately a video of it but of one of the guys crashing and it, it's very much you're coming down but invariably you tend to be vertical so your legs are catching not just your weight, but the weight of a jetpack. The weight of the jetpack, and the jetpack has got spinning jet engines with heat and yeah. fuel, and, 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 fuel. And, and it's heavy. Yeah, no, exactly. Don't forget the heavy thing. And also, it's a kind of pretty hectic carapace. I mean, it's, oh, yes, it, it yeah. needs to pick you up by your parts with, you know, so there are harnesses and crap like that. Have to be, yeah. Um, it's, you know, maybe the, the best suggestion there is not an ejector system, but if you were to have an emergency, what, what is the, do you jettison this thing beforehand or... Or, you know, I mean, it could be similar to those. Or could it protect you? By yeah, like an airbag, deployable airbag system, and you just roll with it sort of with, thing. Yes, I can see this working, Mr. Sheckman. This giant rubberized <laughs> thing with, with three jet engines that two of them don't want to shut down, and then you get cooked inside gung, the gung, thing. Gung, 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 gung. Yeah, just balancing down the, the, the track as you... You come out like a piece of roasted pork belly. <laughs> oh, delicious. But, I mean, at the same time, saying about the, the race thing, I mean, have basically... You have, it, it's airship racing. Okay, let's make it faster. But something of that sort. So your stuff's up top. Getting your jetpack, you've got to fly on your jetpack up to your, your waiting vehicle up top rather than just do a lap and get back in your... Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. I mean, what I would do with, with the jetpack type stuff is not, not racetrack type stuff. No. But for people to actually like live out games like Super Mario, Ooh, where you've yeah. got to like run along and then hop up and <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah, like hop, that. Hop into the Definitely yes. to, to recreate that... Um, you know, either one person at a time or in, in a, a type of thing. You would certainly get viewers for that. Uh, yeah. We discussed I mean, this yeah, with a submersible thing of, a, a while ago. Yes. Um, you'd certainly get takers who would buy a thing yeah. to come to a mega racetrack, which is, you know, the Super Mario it's a, Arena. It, yeah, or, it's in a or massive obstacle course sort of thing. Basically, any of the, like, original kind of TV games yeah. that, that got, got, got people <laughs> interested, you'd be able to replicate. Um, yeah. And what have you learned this week? Well, mine's relatively boring um, compared to oh, yours as usual. And of course, it's just words in... I didn't even write... I didn't even justify <laughs> it with, with ink. I wrote it in pencil for a change. That's how boring it is. Um, when do you think the first use of uh, aircraft drop tanks was? Sort of external Ooh. fuel tanks. Oh, right. Because um, I was surprised. I thought it would have been a lot earlier than this. Oh, okay. Well, I th okay. So I was going 1910s. Um... 1940s it was the spanish civil war which was oh. just before world war ii yeah, and it 30s, was for yeah. stukas that was the first ah. use of drop tanks and that was simply because the, the stuka ended up being like over and didn't <laughs> really have large range hmm. um and of course that was a war which was uh germany and spain and there's a small matter of france in between yes. that you kind of have to yeah. kind of you know with the italian <laughs> alliance go kind of down and travel like quite long distances um and that was the first use of, of, of the drop tank. So what was the limitation that prevented it in the 1920s? I th well, if you think about it, the long-range attacks in, in World War I started out with airships. And airships were yeah. fairly efficient. They didn't use yeah. much fuel yeah. for speed. And, and petrol, if you take you know, a normal light airplane and you work out how much avgas you put into it, it's, it's like a car. You know, a car mm. can go quite a long way yeah. on what seems like a small amount of fuel. Exactly. Jet aircraft, because of the low energy density, yeah. it's surprising how much fuel you need to basically travel. 
Um, so okay. with, a, with a fuel density, and also quite a lot of the early German long-range um, aircraft, those were diesel diesel engine powered, which obviously has got even better, basically sort of more energy, energy per density, per yeah. unit mass. Um, so you think it's in, you'd say it wasn't done pre-Stuka because it wasn't needed. You, d you didn't need it, and and that's the thing is, you know, that is the very definition of a design problem. Is it, yeah. it can go here. We don't have aircraft carriers. We need to launch attacks. Yeah. There's no other place we can take these things off for. We can't. We don't have anything bigger. If we design it now, it's going to be a year yeah. minimum until we've got a, a twin-engine thing that that's big, etc. Um, so when you've got a, an aircraft which is, let's say, fairly pioneering or a vehicle that's pioneering, yeah. you you often end up with a okay, well that's quite good, but now we need to use it for this, which is something that you might not have thought about. I think, because it sort of gets onto what we ultimately were planning on talking about in this episode of where do we get information, how, how do we get it. My initial hypothesis... When well, you, I get all my information from you, by the way. So <laughs> get yourself I, a checkman. I, <laughs> I guess I get mine from you. There's a weird, horrible <laughs> loop there going on. <laughs> There's nothing new. Um, so my initial hypothesis would have actually been that they they needed the longer range but couldn't figure out how to do it whether it's how do you jettison a tank without suddenly just gushing fuel out your wing or, or your hard point but at the same time you then stop and say okay what would you need to do that so again it comes down so ultimately the topic here is we need information we, we we need to find out how something works whether it's you need to find out what the um, what the suspension system in your formula one car is what kind of jet engine do they have in the jet pack or how do you do a jettisonable fuel tank? You, I mean, you can do it multiple approaches. Mine is, I hypothesize, I think it's this, and I test my hypothesis. I tend to think how I would do it okay. in the simplest way possible, and then what's likely to be dangerous about it, uh -huh. and then you refine that, and then go digging. Okay, yeah, I mean, it gets down to, I, I mean, so, so could, they couldn't do it because they didn't, you know, the whole jettisonable thing was an issue, but that's just a plug valve as that thing comes out. Yeah, it just, it just stops pumping fuel. Okay, fine. That's right. And, and all you have to do is you have to either work out, when you load this thing onto it, yeah. you've got the small matter of air bubbles in a pipe. So yes. do you, and, and, and this is the, the key thing with drop tanks, some of them, you run air pressure into it and okay. you just have a hose. Okay, you yeah. don't worry about pumps. Yeah. You just need something that, that provides air. But if you get a leak, either a bullet hole in it oh, and yeah. all the fuel just pisses out, <laughs> or if, this, if it doesn't seal because of you know, turbulence or something, you, it, 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 it doesn't suck. Yeah, yeah. Okay, on aircraft, what do they have with all systems? Redundancy. Yes. So you might have a thing where the primary is that it blows air to push in, okay. and the other thing is maybe you've got a, a, a you know, a, a suction pump, yes, the pump yeah. has, has backup. Um, the releasing is fairly easy, but now if you've got a system where you've got like some form of seal and it clips on, but it can't now be bayonet because you can't turn the tank <laughs> sideways in flight. So, okay, do you twist the ring on the aeroplane? Oh, you could put the bayonet on the other yes, side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could also just grip it. So quite a lot of, a lot of them have yeah, just yeah. got those things that look like um, car exhaust valves actually. Yes, yeah. The kind of things that cross over and then just pull and then it's a quick release. Then there's the matter of plumbing and hoses. Yes. Sparks. Like during that because you yeah. get static electricity on aircraft. Um, not that in World War II they worry too much about flying through lightning but I mean modern jet fighters fly through lightning. You've got a lightning yeah. proof. Yeah, like yeah. No, exactly. What about bullets going through it sitting on 
fire yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't have been a thing there, but you wouldn't have no, to no, think no. about it. Exactly. Um, and, and you just have to come up with, with answers for all of these sorts of things. And then if this tank is like half full, and now you go and do some turns and you climb and whatever, the fuel's going to go to the front and go yeah. to the back. And, okay, well, if the fuel is only 100 kilograms and the aircraft weighs 10 tons, who gives a shit? Yeah, exactly. But if your aircraft is three tons and it's 300 kilograms of fuel sloshing around, that's a that's 10%. What's the moment yeah. arm and it's out below? Yeah. You can start to see that you don't have to be a genius and you don't even need a calculator to work out. You're going to have to think about that. And yeah. the more kind of spherical you make the tank the more drag you have so long and thin but then, but yeah, then it all runs moves to the your back center gravity can move front. further okay cool so let's split them let's have multiple we have like a, a, a like a sort of a1 style 100 bombs under your wing or 100 fuel little fuel tanks you can just pellet cluster bomb style off you could go for pellets you could also go for if you if you've ever been interested uh in in like how the titanic sank with all that sort of stuff with the fact that you can have bulkheads and bulkheads are all great for if there's liquid in it but if liquid is higher than the bulkhead it can just kind of run over yeah yeah, yeah. okay that's cool but now what happens if the fuel can't move from bulkhead to bulkhead yeah, yeah. and you've only got one hose in it how do you get all the fuel <laughs> to the middle type thing and it's a case of you just have to sit and think like this is a big, sl like anyone who's walked around with like a water cooler that's like half full, well, oh, now you understand exactly what happens, in fact, in all aircraft fuel yes, tanks, yes, yeah, let alone yeah. drop tanks. Um, so there's definitely the, the sort of release thing that, you, that you've got to um, think about. And then there's, what are you going to make it out of? Yeah. Um, and, and does the aircraft, was the aircraft designed to have a mass at the end of that, that particular part of your wing or under your fuselage there? And also if you design it to be lightweight, and the thing is, I mean... How would you solve this problem? Okay. If you had this thing that's very, very lightweight and fairly flimsy, and your aircraft happens to be not parked level on the ground as they would have been yes. at that period of yes, time yes, with, with yeah. tail, tail drag and anagear, yeah. um, 300 kilo flexible tank, how do you get it up weighing 300 kilos like onto the aeroplane and properly aligned? And the question is, you put it on empty and then fill it up, right? Because uh, empty, it would probably be like a, a two-person job, huh? I, I went very third, uh, third year student there and was like, okay, cool. We'll, we'll put lines through the top of the aircraft and hoist it up. And you have a crane that the aircraft has to have two hollows. Yes, no, you're much, you're, you're much, yours makes far more sense there. L Just lifting <laughs> it up from inside the aircraft is actually how they do quite a lot of the, the fighter-type stuff, simply because oh, okay. it's, it's self-aligning. Yeah, and yeah, it's okay, much true, quicker. Yeah. They yeah. don't do it with... with bombs necessarily then you push from the bottom <laughs> because you can but yeah. with tanks and things you do you lift them up by the pylon um, okay. on like a little windy thing um i don't know if they had them back then but you put it on empty and then fill it. yeah and also if you did that then you wouldn't really have bubbles in the system because you can now feel it from the highest point and, exactly okay they, that's guess, probably well, how they well, would exactly yeah you're starting to solve your sort of problems as they go but the point is here is Everything we, we sort of come up with, okay, maybe it's this or maybe it's this aspect there. Okay, a lot of it you do know, actually. But that is not because you've just convinced yourself you know it. You've actually checked independently and or read up on it. So the problem I find with a lot of with the sourcing information is that when you, you've got an idea, it, it, it's this. You kind of need to prove that it is that. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much nine-tenths of any kind of finding information is actually once you've got x equals y you need to actually then go and prove it and the proof is not necessarily that reference the reference is like a, a an extra step 
you, you, you need to say, how do you know X actually equals Y? Not because someone told you, but how do you then know? And what that then does in by doing that explanation, how do you know that this is the best way to actually refuel a, um, a, a drop tank or to hoist it up or whatever the case is, is not because Dixon told me so, but because for this reason here, therefore you won't get air bubbles. And therefore, um, it's a self-aligning system, whatever the case is. And what that then does is that when you start making decisions later on in your design, having sourced that bit of information, you've really got your substantiation for why yeah. you've done this choice. You, there, so part of why we do, you know, the information resources or your literature reviews or literature surveys, whatever the hell you want to call that particular section, is not just about data dumped. Here's all the specifications for this aircraft. Here's the lap times for this racing team. Here's the this. That doesn't mean anything. You found the yeah. information. Someone told you X equals Y, but what does it mean that X equals Y? Or y and of course, this needs to start off with, well, there's a range problem. And you, yes. you know, <laughs> taking out the guns and then filling up where the guns were with more rubber fuel tanks, well, why won't that work? And yeah. then also, if you were to go and like put tip tanks on, why wouldn't that work? Yeah. It's not like they didn't think about it. They, no, just, sure. they just didn't put them there because there are all kinds of other problems that would have happened back in the day. So why did, you, why did you hang this thing where you used to hang bombs? And why is that an acceptable type, type solution um, to kind of work, work backwards from? And you'll find it, you get on a bit of a roll. You know, once you start, once you've got a bit of a thought rolling, so it's like, okay, well, I actually got, so they, they put it on, on those hard points because they're already set up for dropping things. So your mechanism for releases. So there were certain kinds of aircraft that were designed that now needed to go further. So it was a case of you yeah. needed the hard point before you could hang fuel off it, not the other way around. It, it, in some ways. and no, that, no one designs a lightweight airplane and be like, we'd be going to put all the fuel on the outside, <laughs> but wait. <laughs> If we swap the fuel for bombs or a flaming bomb, you know. But oh, it's got no fuel. Damn it. <laughs> but it's electric now, you know, or whatever the, 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 the case is. Yeah. That's, that's a spiral and far forward is that particular line of thought. Yeah. Well, if you, I mean, if, if, if you just as a, a last finishing thought, yes. There are going to be all kinds of issues with uh, the time to charge up electric aircraft when, when it finally, if it ever finally makes it out. So you think of a light aircraft at a flying school, you go and you do three hours of training and now the flipping 600 kilo battery pack is kaput. Yeah. No flying school is going to let it charge up for the balance of the day and then only go fly in the next morning. They're definitely going to want plug off, plug, plug, plug one, out, yeah. plug one in. If you were to take the drop tank idea, how's the drop tank idea for batteries? A hell of a lot better than you need to open up the fuselage and then unclip it and then you need to put in tail stands and support and you know almost remove the landing gear so you can get access yeah, no, yeah, to no, it and, and things like that where you could literally have quite a lot of a lot of stuff in something which is aerodynamically shaped which if it does catch fire in flight you can get rid of it, it yes i i mean something i might like as well thought as well you wouldn't want it jettisonable because why would you but yeah okay in light of well, everyone goes flying over the Idaho farm fields, <laughs> shit, and it's fine. <laughs> and you, you've got the, the, the principle. I can see it now. <laughs> 50 kids in swimming training, this flying thing jettisons a flaming electric battery, and you end up wiping out 50 kids with a 50,000-volt lightning strike or, with a flaming battery or some shit. I mean, I'm trying to think, like, as a... Would it... 
would it work this way? You, you're coming in for a landing, you realize you're sinking too much and you want to stop sinking. Do you jettison your battery, <laughs> pop, get that little bit of extra lift and then <laughs> touch down, skip over that hedge at Virginia um, as your battery comes clutching over the beach next to you? Brilliant, that, love it. That'd be a cool idea, yeah. All right, well, yeah, let, let, let's finish up on a cool idea then. Um, yeah, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you in the next one. Cheers. <laughs>